Well, thanks for sitting down with me and talking. I appreciate it. I'm just going to move this a little closer. Okay. So, you want to introduce yourself, your name, what you do? So, my name is Michaela. I am a senior at MSU. Um, my major's community health and yeah. Nice. So why um why community health? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, <laughs> I think it started when I was younger. My family has always been like they've been in the health, not only health but just helping people. Mm-hmm. Like that's how me and my siblings were raised. Like my mom was a foster care supervisor, so I remember going with her to all these different events helping. Whoa. So we've already like had that piece in our life, like the helping piece. The community health piece didn't come until after like um, I went to Little Bighorn College and then I graduated Then I transferred to MSUB Billings and I was going down a really bad path. And then I um, took a year off from school, became AmeriCorps Vista. That's where community health came into my life when I was working at the Boys and Girls Club on the Flathead Reservation. Whoa. Mm-hmm. So wait, let's back up for a second because I'm so, Mm -hmm. so your mom was a foster care. She was a, she was a foster care supervisor at a foster care agency. Meaning she went around and and supervised. So she was a social worker is what she was doing. Yeah. At a foster care agency. Wow. And then you through that saw so much of everything. I just remember like we would go and we would be childcare. We would go and serve food. Like we would, it was so much a part of our lives. Yeah, that's incredible. And then, so when you, Bighorn Community College, that's where, is that where I think it is? Or Like Little Bighorn College is in Crow Agency. Yeah. So it's heading up to like Sheridan. Yep. Okay. So that's where I got recruited to play basketball. Okay. So I'm just a girl from Cali moving to Montana. I had no idea where I was going. Did you know like that it was on the Crow Agency or... I heard a little bit about it. Like, when I first saw Montana, I thought, like, like I saw scenes of highlight, like, Twilight. That's what I thought I was going. <laughs> I literally thought for, like, three or four months I was going to the East Coast. I had no idea where Montana was at all. So where'd you grow up in California then? I grew up in Bakersfield, so that's Southern California, just at the just at the tip. How, how has that changed coming from Bakersfield to... A little bighorn. It has been an adventure. <laughs> it's been, it's been so different, like culturally, and then not as many, not as many diverse people in Montana. Like that's been, it's been a, it's been really like an adjustment. It's so weird because when I went to Little Bighorn College, I remember people asking me like, "What's your purpose here? Like, what are you doing here?" And at first, I was a little taken back by that. I was like, "Oh my gosh, like I don't, am I offending anybody?" But I think that's just like they want to know. They want to know like, are you gonna be here? Are you are you a good person? Are you gonna come here and do like what? Do you what's your purpose here? Yeah. So I had to get used to that, and I've always said I can't judge a place if I've never been there. So I've never. I had no idea what Montana was like. I just you know I just accepted a basketball scholarship, moved here, came up here. It's so beautiful up here. But you didn't know. I mean, I can just imagine how difficult that would have been for you from coming from Bakersfield mm-hmm. to kind of the middle of nowhere. Like, there's yeah. not a lot there. No, th- no, there's not really a lot there. Like, even the drive here was very, 
It was interesting. So did you just hop in your car and you're like, all right, I'm moving to Montana. That's basically what it was. Like, that's basically me and my parents and my siblings were in the car and they were hauling my car and we just literally drove like 17 hours up here. And then you got to where you were staying. Yeah, I got to where I was staying. I was staying in a dorm house in Hardin. And then Crow, and then this little Bighorn College was in Crow Agency. So it was 12 miles out. And you were just like, I guess this is... I guess this is what I'm doing now. Wow. And so you played basketball there for a year? For two years. For two years. Mm-hmm. And did you, what did you study while you were there? Did you just get like your undergrad elective credits or so the basic I got, studies? Um, so Little Bighorn is a two-year school, so it's a junior college. Yeah. So my major at first was pre-med. Okay. And then I changed it to biology. Okay. But you've always had this idea of health or, or medicine mm-hmm. kind of in the back of your head. Yeah. And then you transferred to MSUB. Yeah. Which is in Billings. Yeah. And and what do you mean when you when you say like I started going down the wrong path? So like if, do you if you want to extrapolate? No, I can. I can. Okay. I love that. <laughs> um, so what I mean by going by on the wrong path is I played basketball for ten years. So ten years of my life, that was my identity. That was who I was. So transitioning from being an athlete, a jock, to a regular person is not easy. It's really, it's, it's really difficult. So I lost my identity and I lost who I was. So I didn't think I was really good at anything. And then I was dealing with a lot of like, you know, past relationships and stuff. A lot of emotional abuse from that. So I didn't really deal with my feelings. Mm. So I lost the sport that I love. Like I'm not playing it. I'm dealing with these, this heartbreak and this trauma from this relationship that I haven't dealt with. And that's where I just started to just shift and go down. Mm-hmm. And it became more of like a mental struggle mm-hmm. every day to... Yeah. Identity is such a huge part of life and, and, it and happiness and your mm-hmm. well-being is, is what it, what do I tie my identity to and when. Mm-hmm. Especially when it's a sport, especially basketball, when you've spent mm-hmm. 10 years of your life. Mm-hmm. How did you... How did you get through that? What was what was there something one day where you like woke up and you're like, all right, enough is enough, or was it like this gradual transition from jock to mm-hmm. you know normal human? I think so. I've been to Bozeman a couple of summers. I was in. I was. I came here for research in summer 2014, and I came back for research in 2015. And that in 2015, that's where I decided like, if I don't get help, I'm just I'm not gonna be alive. I need to help myself. I need to stop being a victim. And that's where I got my help in Bozeman over okay. the summer. So did you go to like a, a mentor or counseling? So or? I went to a counselor. Yeah. Counseling, I have a love-hate relationship with counseling. Because <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, I know it helps. But at the same time, I don't want to bring up all those issues or, or mm-hmm. things that are going on in my head. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you can't hold on to the past mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. So, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And then, let's wait for this thing to oh, okay. snow <laughs> removal. <laughs> okay, now we're good to go. All right. So, so we were talking about how counseling helped you through like a more difficult time in your life, and that's how you found yourself in Bozeman. Mm-hmm. 
you told me you took a year off. I did. I took a year off. So tell me about what did you do? Where did you go? How did you decide the Amer- AmeriCorps? Is that right? Yeah. So yeah. it's a funny story. I was working in the lab, and I get a call from my granny. She's like, Michaela, you need to be an AmeriCorps VISTA. And she said, I, she, it's funny now because we look back at it. She said, I saw you drifting down without you even knowing it. And I said, she needs a plan. And that's how I got into it. So I had to go. The website is a pain in the butt. Just so we, so everyone knows it is a pain in the butt. But you pick, you know, you pick your site. You pick like what, what your, your, um, I guess your project, you, what's your project to be focused on. So my project focused on resource development and capacity building. So you took a whole year off and you worked in the Flathead? Reservation at the Boys and Girls Club. Wow. So what did that look like? What did you do on a day-to-day basis then? For It was literally different things. It was, <laughs> I did not have a consistent schedule. Really? So I would be filling out bank statements, going to de- drop off deposits. I'd be going to capital campaign meetings. I didn't know what a capital campaign meeting was. <laughs> I would be preparing for, I remember December, I was preparing for a parade of lights. I've never put a float together before. Like, I remember I put together a curriculum, like a cultural a PowerPoint about different countries. I've done a number of different things, yeah. Was that like a time of personal development for you? Are you happy you did that? Was it worth taking a year off? It was. It was worth it. I'm so grateful that I did that. Cause it helped me grow in a way. Cause I've always been, I've always been so sheltered. It's not my parents' fault, but I've always been sheltered. So when I took this year off, I really grew up a lot. I learned how to pay bills. I learned how to set up electricity. Like I learned how to grocery shop. I learned how to do all these things on my own. And in the meantime, also helping other people. Is that when you decided to study community health? It was when I was spending more time with the kids. Like, I loved kids, but I never form attachments to these kids like I did with anybody. And it was it was like, I keep saying, like, they keep saying, well, you helped us so much. No, you guys helped me. That's like what I say. Like, I did not, I was just doing what I was supposed to be doing, but you guys really helped me. Have you been able to, like, keep in contact with any of the kids? I have. Or? It should be more <laughs> <laughs> than what it is. I mean, yeah. it's okay, though. Mm-hmm. But in community health, what are you hoping to do with that in the future? Because I feel like you have a lot of things going on in your life. And yeah, you know, so my goal, I guess I don't have a career. I don't have a dream job, but I really like working with children. I like working with Native Americans. I think their culture is interesting. I think, like, when I started my research project at MSU, the things I was learning, I felt like I was robbed of education because there was so much I did not know that we do not teach in the California school districts. Hmm. What? So what is this research project that you keep referring to? So my research project is with Messengers for Health, the Bonnie Law Project. So it's working with the Crow Tribe, where I went to school, Little Bighorn. Right. So that was cool that I got to continue doing that. Um, it's you're, it's a chronic disease self-management program, basically. Wow. Mm-hmm. So are you guys doing, like, community outreach and community education, or...? So we have our own, we have our own, pro, um, the Bonnie Law is a, a program that it's based, it's, it, um, it's strengthened by the cultural, the Crow cultural, like, their strengths. So that program is, it's basically for the Crow people. 
That's what makes it so unique. So it's a cultural specific yes. program. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the changes that, like how does how does a crow culture how does that play into how you would do chronic chronic mm. disease management versus just the average American lifestyle? Mm, so we use like there's a model. It's called the Stanford model that mm-hmm. people use. That is also so as a chronic disease sales management program. But with that model, you have to teach it just like that. And not every place is just how they how they go about the information. So what we so my mentor and um, the executive director they developed it so it can be specifically to um, specifically to the crow culture. Is this like keeping in mind family and community habits or mm-hmm. like seasonal changes or work habits? Like how is that what it's keeping in mind? Is kind of those everyday changes yes. or so differences? It, you know, it even has a section there. So they're called gathering. So there's mentors and then the mentors recruit participants and they're meeting and they're, they are, they're like gathering. So they have a meal and they go through whatever the section is. And like maybe one of the sections will be how to have a healthy relationship with your healthcare provider. So it's it's really like it's in depth. It's like focusing on health. But it's creating this interpersonal relationship mm-hmm. between them. Yes. Which is not typical in, in medicine. No, it's not. Like, when, when is this ever going to be done? This seems like something that could go on forever. And, like, how are you as a researcher, how are you being involved in that? So they, so our grant is almost over, but I'm going to be able to pick my own project and focus more on that. So we're still, it's it, the project is still going on. Mm-hmm. So the, the overall goal for this is so this can be evidence-based. So we can pass this on to anybody and say, here are the tools that we use. Now you can go and develop and make it culturally appropriate for your community. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And so you guys are like, you guys are utilizing cultural differences to help instigate and like solidify learning for chronic disease management. Yes. That's incredible. That's amazing. And are you guys, you guys are seeing good results from it then? Yes, like I, we are I would saying, assume, yeah. like, mm-hmm. <laughs> have you, do you have any, like, hands-on time with people? Are you there observing any of it and seeing how it's actually changing lives at all, or? So, I'm only there, I only get to go to Crow sometimes when we have our mentor meetings. So, I'm actually there listening to the mentors, listening to their stories, which I find is really powerful, because that's a lot where I learned about their culture that I had no idea about. And I got to help with, we have a data collection where I'm helping people. We're tracking like um, how far, I mean, how many steps that they can, how many steps can they take? Or how long can they, how long, how many steps can they take in like six minutes? So just things like that. And are you seeing like an increase in like health and interpersonal relationships? So they do this at the beginning of the, before they do the program and at the end, there should be an increase. Like after going through this and then implementing all the things that we're teaching them, there should be a result to their health is getting better. They have a better understanding of their chronic disease. And then like, I know you just applied or you just took the GRE and you're wanting to go get yes. your master's. <laughs> what, what, why, why your master's degree? What? What's the point of doing that? I feel like for me to truly help people that I have to keep learning and I have to get the best possible education that I can get. 
And so getting your master's is just making you better at what you're doing. That's what I feel like. And it's also, that's one of my family values. Because to me, it's it looks kind of silly that I don't have a master's, but both of my parents do. My granny has two masters and my uncle's working on his PhD. And it's kind of like it wants, I want to be able to fill those shoes. And if you find it interesting, like why not mm-hmm. get an education while it's there? Exactly. And like while you're in that stage in your life. So you keep, and we've talked in the past about your granny and like mm-hmm. how important she is to mm-hmm. you. And do you want to just explain that a little bit more? Like, My relationship with my granny means the world to me. I used to spend summers with her at her house. Me and my siblings used to. I've been going to my granny's house from I was maybe five or six years old until I went to Little Bighorn College that summer. So that's how often I've been going to her house. So you guys are very close. We're very like she's yet yeah, we're very close and she just has an impact on my life. And I always say I wouldn't be getting my undergraduate degree if it wasn't for her. Like she saved my life. So I always say I owe my degree to her. And she saved your life through, like, calling you and Mm -hmm. talking to you. And talking to me. Because when I was going down that really dark path, she was the one that always called. She called me every single day to make sure I was okay. Wow. She never gave up on me. That's amazing. That's so cool. How cool is it to have, like, that intergenerational play? You know, like, it's your granny. It's really cool. And the funny thing is, like, she talks about her grandma, and she was so close to her. So I think that's kind of cool how I'm really close to her. She was close. She was close to her grandma. That's amazing. That's so cool. I'm a little bit envious because <laughs> <laughs> it'd be so cool to have someone like that. Because it's like not a mom or a dad. It's it's mm-hmm. someone else that yeah. you can go to, mm-hmm. and who has great life advice. Yeah. Clearly, mm-hmm. you know. Do you know what she thinks of you and, like, everything you're doing with school and Montana? So she said, (laughs) it's so funny, she compared (laughs) my life to this painting. One of my uncles has a painting, and it's called Arlo in Bloom. And it has a a picture of a flower that's in bloom. No, it's in bloom, and then there's a a flower that's, like, kind of tilted over, and it's not bloomed yet. And that's how she could, that's how she sees my transformation. She said, when I first moved here, I was that flower that was kind of wilted over and <laughs> kind of closed. And she said, now she sees how, like, I'm in bloom. Yeah. And, like, visually seeing that, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I am in bloom now. That was, like, another thing I was going to ask you is, was there a day in your life where you just, like, woke up and you're like, wow, like, I did it. I've made it. I'm getting better. I'm getting through things. Or has it just been this gradual transition of getting better step by step every day? I think it's just getting better like like day by day. There's something, I learn something new about myself or like something happens and I'm realizing I'm reacting to a situation differently than I would. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's a, I say it's a long journey. Like it's a continuing journey. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then I want to like, if you don't mind, like I kind of want to ask you more about like living, is it Little Bighorn? Mm-hmm. I don't want to get it mixed up because yeah, like, I want to say Big Horn. Little Horn. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not it, Becca. Like, yeah. that's totally wrong. Mm-hmm. Clearly, there are some like cultural differences and preferences mm-hmm. there. Um, like, what were those? What are those? And I think the biggest thing that 
the biggest information like advice my granny gave me before I left. Yeah. She said, Michaela, be open. Be open to a culture. Be open to learning something different. And that was something that I had to learn. Like, uh, you know, there's obviously some historical traumas and stuff. I never asked about them. If someone wanted to share those with me, I would let them share those with me. Mm-hmm. And I would thank them because, you know what, that's really tough to talk about. And for you to have the courage and have the patience with me, to, for me to, being an outsider, not understanding and explaining what happened, that helps me understand. Mm-hmm. What is this concept of historical trauma? Because, like, this is oh, all okay. new to me. This is all <laughs> new to me. Like, I've heard so, these terms, but mm-hmm. I've never, like, had the opportunity mm-hmm. to talk with anyone about them. Okay. So, one thing I learned was recently over, this was a couple summers ago. No, this was 2017. When I was at the meet, the mentor meetings, they were talking about the boarding schools. And I had no idea what they were talking about. So they were saying when they, you know, back in the day, I guess you would say colonial people would come and take these children out of their homes, strip them of their identity, cut their hair, make them talk English and not speak their language. I never, I was never taught that. And not only was I embarrassed, but I felt like I was robbed of education. Because I never, I never knew that. I never understood that. And it was like, at that point, I've been in Montana for five years. I've, you know, been at Little Bighorn College. I've been at Little Bighorn College for two years. I have people that I'm very close to. And I was really, I was really upset about that. Like, no one ever took the time to tell me about it. Or I didn't ask because I didn't want to be disrespectful. So that was something that was really like, it was grateful for me to hear that. And it was also very useful. So now I know where you're coming from. I see why. I see why the way you are. Yeah, that's, I think that part of history gets skipped over a lot, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And I think there is a lot that could be done to make it Mm -hmm. acknowledged and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, at least learn something from it at the Mm -hmm. very least, so... But you never, so you, you said, like, I feel like I was robbed of education, so none of this was ever brought up in your... This was never brought up to me. Like, I remember taking American history, my junior year of high school. All we talked about was the civil rights movement. All we talked about was Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King. That is important, but that's what I just said was also a part of American history that I had no idea about. And it's crazy to me, because, like, even now, my little brother is 16 years old. He's just now learning about this. It's so, it's, we don't, we don't ever talk about it. Yeah, it's definitely just like kind mm-hmm. of swept under. Exactly. Does that, does that make you want to like educate other people on the differences you've seen in education or knowledge or, or is it just something where you're like, I'm just going to keep this to myself and like. It actually does when people like say things that aren't culturally appropriate that's where I'm like, you need to really do your research, read a book, <laughs> like <laughs> get on the internet or something. Just Google it. <laughs> Just Google it. <laughs> right. And then how, like, I don't know, like, Montana is very isolated. Like, mm-hmm. let's just put that out there. Yeah. <laughs> Montana is very isolated. There's not a lot of diversity mm-hmm. in culture. Was that hard for you? My first couple of years, it wasn't that hard because I was around another culture I was learning about. Yeah. But when I went to the Boys and Girls Club, none of these kids knew what Black History Month was. 
I was like, you need to go and tell your teachers about this. Like, this is not okay. This is, it was just, it was mind boggling to me that they didn't, had no idea what this was. So it's like almost like you sharing your culture yeah. with them and vice versa. Mm-hmm. How cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you think, here's a, here's a loaded question. How important do you think culture is for community health? I think it's really important because my work with messengers and like if anyone's going to be working with people that are different from you, I mean, culturally, um, you have to understand their culture. You have to you kind of you have to have an idea. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a little confused, but what are the parts that make up culture as a whole? Because there's so many things that go into a culture. Oh, there's so right? many things. The language, your traditions, I guess your identity you're religious. There's a, a whole bunch of things that go into it. So then, do you have any like tips on how to integrate culture with medicine or community health? I would just say my advice to anyone that's going to be working in community health or be working with uh, a reservation or anything to do some research. Mm-hmm. And then if you do have the time when you get there, you should find out you know, you should find out the history because that's something that I tr- I really try to do. Is find out the history of, mm-hmm. of the people you're working with. Exactly. Yeah. Which makes so much sense because mm-hmm. and I, I think medicine tends to just be cut and dry, black and white, like mm-hmm. treat a patient A the same as patient B. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's necessarily how it should work at all. I think it should be a much more holistic view Exactly. Of who is this person spiritually? Who is this person mentally? Mm-hmm. Who is this person culturally? You know, and how can we make their care relevant to them mm-hmm. in that manner? It's it's a tricky balance of everything, though. It is extremely difficult, and it almost makes it so. You know, people who are doing like medicine or or community health have to just give them guidelines and let them do their own thing Mm -hmm. because there's no way you can teach someone their own culture Mm -hmm. if you don't know it right I just have all these thoughts racing (laughs) through my head right now I'm like oh my gosh you could do this this and this and I guess like if there was one thing you could change about the world what would it be besides (laughs) besides the education if there was like one or two things that was like this would really make my heart happier about the world I live in, what would it be? I think it would just be learning how to be open and just having a different perspective. And when you think about that, where do we learn that? We learn that as a child. And who usually teaches us that? Our parents, our grandparents, our environment where we grew up. So when we're learning something new or we see something different, we don't know how to accept it or we don't know how to be open to it because we were never taught how to be open to things. And that's a big problem today. So just be open to it. Mm-hmm. Which is what your gran- your granny told you yeah. to be when you when mm-hmm. you left for school. Is that why you want to work with kids in part is to like if you can't like you can't change the current generation but maybe you can change the future generation. Exactly. I think, you know, the ch- I've always said children are our future. Yeah. And if you if 
we need to be guiding them and teaching them that if you know because our generation is all it's too late for us <laughs> but it's not too late for the, for these our little ones yeah so and that's it's so important because the younger we teach them how to be open the better people they're going to be yeah exactly and it's almost like the world the only way we can change the world is through these these kiddos yes. you know um and then for those of us who, you know, we've grown up in Montana our whole lives, mm-hmm. our parents didn't teach us how to be open. Mm-hmm. How do we go about changing the way we think about the world so that we see other people and other cultures as open to them? Do you have any advice? <laughs> I think it starts with yourself. Like, you kind of have to look at yourself and be like, why don't I, why, why is it so hard for me to understand this? Why is it so hard for me to be open to something else that's different to me? Like, why is that? And I feel like once you figure out that part with yourself, it'll be so much more easier for you to be like, I see now. Mm -hmm. Do you think it is perhaps like a lack of identity in a person themselves? I think it, I think it can be. I mean, do we, when do we really find ourselves? Like what age do we really find ourselves? We don't find ourselves at 10 years old. We don't know who we are at 10 10 Mm -hmm. years old. Even when we like leave the nest to go off to college, we're lear- we're we still don't know who we are as people. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an ever evolving thing. It is, yeah. At least like you think you find yourself, then you lose yourself, and then you refind yourself, and then you're like, oh shit, I'm not as good as I thought I was. Yeah. Like, oh no, like I'm not a good person. Yeah. And then you try to work on that person mm-hmm. because you don't like it. And then it becomes this ever-evolving thing. Yeah. And eventually, maybe one day you reach self-love on, on mm-hmm. a good level, yeah. maybe. Yeah, maybe a lack of being able to understand other cultures is having a lack of, you know, your own identity in a way. Because mm-hmm. if you had your own identity, you would respect that, and you would respect that in other people, mm-hmm. maybe. I don't know. We're getting pretty, like, theoretical. Yeah, we are. <laughs> but. <laughs> so, you graduate this spring? Yes. And then you're going to go straight into getting a master's? Yes. And are you getting your master's in community health? Yes, I am. So, you're studying community health as an mm-hmm. undergrad, and you're getting a master's in community yes. health. Yes. What are you most excited about and what are you most terrified for? I'm most excited about because, like I said, I love learning. Mm-hmm. And this, I feel like I'll be learning more about myself. Learn, I'll just be learning so much more and why things are the way that they are that I can't figure out in undergrad. <laughs> and mm-hmm. this, finally, some of my questions will be answered. And I feel like the thing that I'm most terrified about, I guess just the academic writing. But I feel like I can, you know, I'm going to learn that on the way. Like the research papers and stuff. Because community health as a a job, as an occupation, that has a lot to do with like community outreaches or or what does that look like to be a community health worker? You can be a guidance counselor. You can work at the health department. You can work at nonprofits. That's literally what we do. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So you just get to make people's lives better one day at yeah. a time. That's incredible. I should have studied that instead of, <laughs> instead of neuroscience, but oh well, that's fine. One last question for you, but was there ever 
a day where you like sat down and you just had a thought in your head like, oh, this is why I want to do it? Like, was there an instigating thought to this whole road that you have found yourself on? I think that thought came when I was back to when I was in AmeriCorps Vista. And I was, you know, I was, we were working on stuff for the kids. We were, try, we were trying to get the kids a new club. And we were trying to figure out the community needs and stuff. And I remember people saying, well, this community needs this and this and this. And I'm like, deep down, so I knew that wasn't right, but I didn't know. I, do, I, wasn't, I didn't learn that yet because I wasn't in school. Until my granny said, Michaela, you can't go in, into a community and tell people what they need. That's not what community health is. You have to listen to what the community wants. Like, you have to get to know the community. So I think that's where I was like, oh my gosh, like this makes sense. This is why I love this. Because I'm working with people and touching people's lives, you know, at a different level. Well, Michaela, thanks so much for sitting down and talking. You're welcome. I really appreciate it. I love this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you ever, like, want to come on a second time, if you ever have an idea and you're like, oh my gosh, Becca, like, we got to talk about this. Like, I will sit here and listen to you for a whole hour and a half. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do not mind at all. But thank you so much. You're welcome.